0: الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين صفا اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وانك لعلى خلق عظيم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغنني بالعلم وزينني بالحلم أَكْرِمْنِي بِالْتَّقْوَىٰ وَجَمِّلْنِي بِالْعَافِيَةِ أَوْ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ Most respected ulamai kiram, brothers and elders. Every moment of this life that we are leading, we are getting closer to our destination of akhirat. Nobody is getting any younger, nobody is getting any further away from his final moment of life. Rather, every second that ticks, we are getting closer to our final moment in this dunya and towards our eternal abode in the akhirat. This consciousness is what we are required to have, what the Qur'an Sharif right from the beginning till the end emphasizes upon us, what Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has emphasized upon us. And it is only this consciousness of Akhirat that will enable a person to do what he's supposed to be doing, to refrain from what he's supposed to refrain from. Minus this consciousness of Akhirat then there is nothing to stop a person from doing any vice. And there is nothing to really motivate a person towards any good. So this is something that we have to keep reminding ourselves of. Right from the beginning of the Qur'an Sharif, we are reminded of this. Maliki Yawmiddin, the Day of Judgment. Allah Ta'ala is the Master of the Day of Judgment. And then, Hum Yo يُوقِنُونَ Right at the beginning of Surah Baqarah in the first ayah. And they have this yaqeen and conviction in the akhirat, in the hereafter. And then throughout the Qur'an Sharif is this theme of akhirat. Among other basic themes is this theme of akhirat. ma'ad, This hereafter. So this has to be established so deep down in the heart that before everything, one's hereafter flashes in front of one. Before any, any word, once akhirat comes, comes in front of one. Before any deed, once qabr flashes in front of one. Before any kind of deal that a person does, the accountability on the day of qiyamah comes in front of him. And when that would become the case, and this is why Rasulullah has emphasized it in these words, that اَكْثِرُوا al هَازِمِ al الْمَوْتِ Excessively remember that which will cut off all pleasures. All the leisures and pleasures of dunya. And the things that people plan for so much in advance. I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. And I'm going to have this fun. And I'm going to do this and that and the other. All the kinds of long term planning of entertainment. One is a person is doing some kind of arrangement planning in a reasonable manner for whatever his needs might be, there's no harm in that. But the long-term planning of entertainment, which has become a culture that is permeating our society at every level, this kind of long-term planning of entertainment, this too creates this ghaflat, and makes a person become unmindful of this akhirat. And to the extent that this akhirat goes further away from our hearts and minds, to that extent we start planning even further for entertainment. So nevertheless, this is something that we have to keep pondering over, keep reminding ourselves of the temporary nature of this world, and that we are heading very, very fast towards our abode of Akhirat. We have to prepare for that, and in order to assist us to get safely across, this is what Allah Ta'ala has provided for us, the guidance of the Qur'an Sharif, and the guidance of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that in this way, a person would be able to move in a correct manner, move in a safe way through this journey of dunya and reach the abode of Jannah safely, inshallah. So among the many, many things that are the advices that we have been given in the Qur'an Sharif, in the sunnah of Rasulullah Wasallam, many advices were given to us by Nabi Wasallam in the form of those beautiful du'as that he made very concise du'as. Those du'as are du'as and at the same time they are ta'limat. Those du'as are lessons. And they give us very very deep lessons. So one is to be engaging in these du'as, to be including these du'as when we are begging from Allah Taba'arak wa ta'ala. And that should be a part and parcel of a mu'min's life daily. That he talks to Allah Tala. Many a times we have a lot of things we want to, say we want to offload somewhere. Somebody has done us down, maybe we want to offload that somewhere. Somebody has hurt us in some way, we want to offload that somewhere. Somebody treated us badly. So that we are finding some kind of outlet to vent it. And sometimes there has been some loss, there has been some suffering. We want to vent that somewhere, we want to offload it somewhere. There is no better place to offload it than in front of that being who has the control of whatever has happened. And this is in Sanskrit, he wants to shed some tears sometimes, he wants to offload that tension of his, that what has become a mountain over him sometimes, there is no better place than shedding those tears in front of Allah Ta'ala. Because who can do anything for us more than what Allah Ta'ala can do? Anybody does anything to, will be with the permission of Allah Ta'ala. So this is where a person has to cry his heart out. To Allah wa Ta'ala. Cry his heart out for his Akhirat. Because that's where we're heading for. This is a very temporary place. So first and foremost to cry our hearts out to get the safe passage to Akhirat. And together with that, whatever our needs of dunya are, that too we will ask Allah Ta'ala. And everything we have to ask from Allah Ta'ala. So this is something that should be part of our lives, daily du'a. And in the life of Rasulullah Wasallam, every day of his life, we'll see how much of time was dedicated to du'a and begging Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. So in any case, this is one of those beautiful, very concise du'as that Nabi Wasallam made and which was ta'aleem, which was a lesson, which was advice to us. That what should we be thinking about? What we should be asking for? What we should be focusing on inculcating within ourselves? This is that lesson that we are getting in this dua. In this dua, there are four things that Nabi Islam asked for. The first thing Nabi Islam asked for, اللهم Bil Ilm. Ya Allah grant me or make me wealthy with ilm. This is the real wealth a person can be a pauper in terms of monetary value. He might not earn, not own two coins to rub one another against one another. But if he has the wealth of ilm, then he is very wealthy. And a person may have all the wealth of the world, but if he is deprived of the ilm, at least that basic ilm which enables him to obey Allah wa ta'ala. And then the more that he gains in terms of ilm, the better for him. But if a person doesn't even have that amount, then regardless of how much he might own in front of the whole world he might own, he's extremely poor. He's a complete pauper. The reality of that will open out on the day of Qiyamah. That who had the wealth and who was a pauper. So the real wealth is the wealth of ilm, knowledge. So one is that we are being taught in this That if you are asking for something, there is something to be desired, something to be acquired. A person asks for something that he should be having. Somebody wants something, then he'll ask for it. We are being told to ask for it, which means we must make an effort to acquire it also. But everything is to be acquired in the correct manner, from the correct source. A person wants to become a farmer, he won't go sit in medical school. And a person wants to become a doctor, he can't go to the agricultural school. He's not going to become a doctor. He'll become something else, whatever he'll become. So this is, the same, the same principle applies that when it comes to ilm. The ilm has to be acquired from the correct source. The first and most primary source of ilm was direct teaching. Rasulullah s.a.w. taught the sahaba ikram directly, one on one, or in a gathering. But they received that ilm directly from him, face to face, heart to heart. And this primary manner of acquiring ilm will remain till Qiyamah as the primary source, and the primary way and medium of acquiring ilm. And if that ilm is acquired in some other way, minus this, There are many other ways that will aid this. The books are there to aid it. The various other mediums that are within the limits of Shariat are there to aid it. But if this is taken out of the equation, that direct, face-to-face, heart-to-heart transmission of ilm, move that out of the equation, and then put everything else in place, that would become a means of deviation. And this is what is happening over and over again that somebody has found some social media as the source of primary source of his ilm Somebody has found Google as the primary source of his ilm. That ilm is just in inverted commas information And the end result the end result person starts making such huge blunders starts making such kind of conclusions which comes out of his own mind which are far from the reality Because well, he picked up something from here, something from there, he doesn't know who is even passing it on, on the other end. Many a person has Googled something, some beautiful website comes up, and then the beautiful website presents everything in such a uh, wonderful way, very eloquent, very well presented, then somewhere down the line he came, he realizes the Shia website. So now by the time he came there, he already got impressed. What next is going to happen now? Somebody carried on very impressed with what he's reading. As he came down the line, right at the bottom somewhere, he realized that this person is talking in a very, very uh, negative manner about the great imams of fiqh, Imam Abu Hanifa, and Imam Shafi, Imam Malik, Imam Ahmad ibn Hammal. By the time he came there, he's already impressed with the flowery language and the well-presented manner, the manner in which it was presented very, very eloquently. But does Eloquence make everything? Does the flowery presentation make it worth the while if it is? What the substance is, is not in order. A person, somebody sends him a present, the gift wrap is excellent, the packing is wonderful, it's bound in beautiful ribbons. But when he opens it inside, that food is gone off. It is smelling. It has started decaying. So he's going to be very happy while it was wrapped so nicely, and it was presented so well. So it doesn't matter what came inside. What came inside doesn't matter about it. The wrapping was so nice and the presentation was done so well. Nobody in his right mind will think it in that manner. So likewise, the main thing is the substance. That flowery language in one hadith sharif, Nabi Wasallam, has warned the Ummad. And Nabi Wasallam says that among the things I fear most for my Ummad, munafiqin alimil lisan, I fear for my Ummad, that munafiq and hypocrite, who has a very glib tongue in expressing things that seem like knowledge. Alim al-lisan, in other words, he will outwardly express a lot of things that seem very knowledgeable. But it is all corrupted. The like is a munafiq, but he can talk in a very glib way. He has a very eloquent tongue, and he can present things in a very flowery manner. So now a person who doesn't know better, he gets carry along with it. So this is an extremely important thing that that ilm is acquired from the correct source. Now that correct source a person has acquired in the experience of those who have acquired that ilm from that source and they have safely moved on. So now in the guidance of that source, that alim of his community, that experienced personality, now in the light of his guidance, he says to him, okay, you read certain books or you listen to certain talks. Now he will remain guided, inshallah. But he wants to explore, then he's like a person now has a heart problem. He wants to explore the internet to try and treat himself. And then he's sometimes doing something, sometimes doing something else. In the, By the time he realizes what, that what he's doing is highly dangerous, he's already damaged himself. Already caused problems to himself. So this is the first lesson Nabi Islam is giving us in this. That this ilm is something to be sought. Ilm of what? Ilm, ilm of those things that will enable us to obey Allah. Ta'ala. That's the primary ilm. The ilm of the recognition of Allah. Ta'ala. And for that we require the ilm of all our obligations of deen. If a person doesn't even know how to perform his salah, then how is he going to recognize Allah? Ta'ala? And how is he going to reach Allah? Allah? We sometimes take it for granted, well, I'm performing salah for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, so I know my salah. What is there to now go back and relearn salah? But sometimes we might be surprised that we're doing something for 20 years, 30 years, we just took it for granted. We never double checked with somebody. And now we realize that this was not the way it should be done, I was doing something wrong. Or if it was not something that was nullifying that salah, it is not in accordance to the sunnah. It's not in accordance to the sunnah, then too I'm depriving myself of so much of the reward. Because I'm doing something contradictory to the sunnah. And every sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu is worth more than this whole universe. So now because of lack of knowledge of what the sunnah of the postures of salah are, how to go about all the various aspects of salah in the sunnah manner. Now every day the person, mashallah, is performing his five times daily salah, and then his sunnah and the nawafil as well, how many times he is depriving himself of the reward of that sunnat? Now, if it, that one sunnat that he was missing out on, if he knew it, over that cause of that day, he would have practiced on that sunnat maybe 40, 50, 60 times, in each rakat, and how many times he would have been performing it. Each sunnah is worth more than this universe. Now multiply that by 30 times and 50 times, what a tremendous deprivation, severe deprivation due to the lack of ilm. So that is an ilm also, that's a very great ilm. The ilm of the sunnah of Rasulullah, the ilm of the farais, the ilm of the sunnah of Rasulullah, how to apply the sunnah in every aspect of our life. And that too is another very important part of ilm. One is the ilm. And the other is the correct application of that ilm. There's one story somebody, whether it's just a story for the moral or whether it really happened, Allah knows. That somewhere this uh, ship got stranded on the ocean. Something happened, the whole engine just stopped. So now the ship is just floating around. So they had to fly one person from the shore or bring him by boat or whatever it was. So he came, so he came with one old person, came with a small little bag. And he went into the engine room, Now others are all along, few people are with him. And they're observing now, what is he doing? Because the ship suddenly stopped now in the middle of the ocean. So obviously now they're in a, quite a problem. So he looked at it very, very carefully and carried on looking at it intently. And after having studied the whole thing very, very well for a while, then he took out one hammer. And then he very carefully just knocked that hammer on something. And as soon as he knocked it, that suddenly the engine came to life. So in any case, he went away. And then the shipping company received the bull. The bull came for some $20,000. So those who were there with him and saw what he did, they said, this person is ridiculous. But in any case, now he sent the bull. And this was because now they didn't negotiate beforehand. This is the problem. Shariat also teaches us that it's not... Correct to enter into a transaction without having all these things completely, uh, s- totally clear, having spelt out what is the, going to be the fee, what is the price of some item. In any case now, they said, no, no, okay, do this, send him a message, send us a detailed bill. You just send us one bill, $20,000, send us a detailed itemized billing. So he sent them itemized billing, the itemized billing was the one tap one dollar. And way to tap $19,999. Because way to tap was the big and important factor. Knowing how to tap it, anybody, that kind of one knock, anybody knows how to give it. But way to really tap that, to realize that this is the problem or this is where the issue is, That was the whole issue. That was what required that expertise. Now many a times we just picked up some information from somewhere. We picked up the information but what is the correct application of that information? What is the correct application of that knowledge? Many a times this knowledge is just theory for us. But that application of that knowledge we are but very very far away from the correct application, from any application sometimes. Just to understand this application of that knowledge the on incident of one of our great Akabir, Hazrat Niyaz Hussein hussain who was one of the senior ustads of Dalum Dioban. So, Hazrat Mufti Shafi, he mentions this incident, and he says that one day we came to visit him, Mufti Shafi, he was his student, so he says it was just, uh, the rainy season had just started, so now he was busy mending his walls, his mud walls, the house was made of mud walls. So now every time, every rainy season, those mud walls would start now crumbling or whatever. And now every year it had to be repaired and replastered, plastered with that same mud wall, mud mixture. So you see, I said to him, that every year this is the same thing that you have to keep doing and all the time and effort that goes into it. And then every year you are going to spend something to now repair this wall. So if instead of repairing this mud wall again every time, Spend a little bit more and put a solid structure. It will cost you a little bit more. That saving that you will make now in the long term, in a few years time, that will get covered up too. What you spend now will get covered up in a few years. And you'll get saved from all this labor. And all this work now every year to keep doing this. So first he said to him, MashaAllah, what a wonderful suggestion. See, I'm going old now. I can't even think. Such a simple thing, my mind can't think about it. I'm going old now. That was now just to make him start focusing differently first. And then he said to him, look look around you. Look at this whole neighborhood. This neighborhood that I'm living in, everybody's homes here are the same. All are these mud houses. And now in the midst of all this, I am going to build a solid structure. Only if a person is living in another area, there's another issue. I'm living here. In the midst of all this, I'm going to build a solid structure only. So every day... The people around they are going to keep looking in this direction. Somebody's walking out of his house, he's going to see my place. Somebody's going to pass here to get to his house, he's going to see my house. And in this whole place, one house is a solid structure. What is going to be the effect of this? They're going to be hurt. They're going to be feeling now we are deprived of this. That in our community, in our neighbourhood, somebody's got this but I don't have it. So I'm not prepared to give this leaf to anybody. Now this lesson of consideration which we are taught in the Quran Sharif, in various lessons in the Quran Sharif, in the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But the application of this consideration is what we are learning in this incident. To know that knowledge, mashallah, is excellent. But the application of that knowledge is what these people taught us. And they learnt it from their seniors. This came all the way down from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who was the embodiment of the application of deen. So now one is to learn it, but the other is to apply it correctly. And without that correct application, then a person will finish up somewhere else. person has learned. One is learning the masail of business. This too is an extremely important thing. Just as we have to learn about, about our ibadat, we have to learn about the masail of business. A person has to earn his livelihood. So he's got a business. How to conduct that business correctly? And the ilm of those... Aspects that pertain to his type of business. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala an, he had passed a decree that nobody is allowed to trade in the bazaar of Madinah munawwara until he has learned the masail of his business, or his trade. Till he hasn't done that, he's not allowed to trade here. Because that incorrect trading is going to contaminate that income. And that contaminated income is going to then be consumed That is going to create corruption. Corruption and amal. Then a person's heart and mind is going to be inclined to all kinds of evil and vices. Then he's not going to be able to look after his gaze. He can't control his tongue. He can't keep his ears away from listening to haram. And his heart is immersed in all kinds of haram fantasizing and filth. And often this is the result of that contaminated consumption. (laughs) Rusul الطَّيِّبَاتُ wa Allah gave the command to the Ambiari eat the pure things and do righteous actions that both are linked. So now to learn the masail of trade, the masail of commerce, to find out this is my kind of business, what are the masail that pertain to it? To learn what is the spirit of business for a mu'min. How does he conduct his business? With the right spirit, one is with the right manner that he's not engage, in, uh, engaging in any haram transaction, he's not indulging in interest, there's no fraud, there's no corruption. But what is the spirit of business for a Muslim? Now, this is another whole subject on his own. But this is summed up in one hadith Sharif of Rasulullah that Rahim Allahu Rajulan Samha. إِذَا بَعْ وَإِذَا اشْتَرَى وَإِذَا اَقْتَضَى Nabi Islam is making dua. Dua for that person. May Allah shower his rahmat. Can we imagine, some buzru gives us some dua, how elated we become. MashaAllah, what a wonderful thing. I am so fortunate. Such a great personality came, and I got his dua. This is a dua of Rasulullah Rahim Allahu اللَّهُ rajulan samhan Allah Ta'ala have mercy and Allah Ta'ala shower His rahmat on the person who is very easy going. Very easy going. When he's selling, he's easy going. He's not trying to squeeze out the last drop from the buyer. And when he's buying, also he's easy going. He's not trying to now squeeze that seller in such a way that he gives him the least that he can get away with and when he is now asking for his payment then to is easy going now this is the spirit of deen in that business now as we started off right from the first point that every second we are ticking every second that is ticking we are hastening towards the abode of akhirat so now when that is the end result when that is the final destination so now all this must aid towards getting to that final destination in a manner that we get immediate passage to Jandad. So it's not only what is in the masjid that's going to help us to get there. Otherwise sometimes what is happening in the masjid will assist us. And what we do outside the masjid might become a major barrier. What we do outside the masjid might wipe out everything that happened in the masjid and give it away to somebody else. Because of the way that we lived our social life, because of the way that we conducted our business, because of our dealings being incorrect, because of our akhlaq and character being incorrect. So all that we did in the masjid, and all that tahajjud that we performed at night, and all that tilawat, everything in a silver platter will be giving it away to others. And doesn't finish off on that, Allah forbid we might end up taking their sins on our head. So the ilm, the knowledge of how to do something correctly, the knowledge of what is the spirit of that action. We have to learn the knowledge of Salah. Acquire the ilm of how to perform that Salah correctly. And then the spirit of that Salah. That this Salah should be connecting me with Allah Ta'ala. Unfortunately we come into that Salah without disconnecting ourselves from dunya. So we start off that Salah also with all the connections of dunya with us. Our heart is still very deeply stuck in there. And our mind is still running in the same thing. And we are in a haste to get back to it. But there is no time for that salah, also. It's just now to get done with it. So that's far away from the spirit of that salah. So one is to learn about the masail of salah, how to perform the salah correctly. To learn about that spirit of salah. One is to learn about what are the masail of nikah. And how does that nikah get performed? Okay, I'll have to, I will have to, the proposal and acceptance will have to happen in the presence of two witnesses. Okay, what are the rights of each spouse? What is the responsibility of each one on the other? So, mashallah, that is a masail. But then the ilm of the spirit of that nikah. What is the spirit of this? That it should be bringing about that sukoon. min anfusikum azwajal litaskunu now what is going to bring about that sukoon? Is it just going to be like a bill of rights? That well okay, this is not in the bill of rights. One person was employed by somebody, so now he went on a journey on a horse, that zamana now as he's going along, so when they reach one place somewhere, halfway, whatever, now this person is seeing that something has, is missing, he had a very nice expensive shawl. Now the shawl, he can't find it anywhere now, he's looking in his bag, he's looking on the horse, so that worker of his who was with him, so he's saying, well, this fell down long ago when we were still somewhere far away from here. As we were coming along, it fell down there. He says, but you didn't tell me about it. You know about it, it fell down. It means you saw it happening. You saw it falling. But you didn't tell me anything. So he says, well, when you employed me, all you told me is that when you are on suffer, then I must cook your food and I must wash your clothes. And uh, if you tell me something, then I must do that. You didn't tell me if something falls down, I must pick it up. If something falls down, I must tell you something fell down. So, he said, well, how do I explain to this person? So now, just in that moment of anger, a little bit of frustration, he said to him, okay, in future, while we traveling, anything falls down, you make sure you pick it up. So, fine, now, as they're moving on, now that horse dropped some dung. So now, this fellow starts picking up that as well. Uh, He didn't understand anything about what he is, one is this, One is the the words and the text. The other is the correct understanding of it. And then the correct spirit of it. Now he thought I'm employed, so if something falls down, why must I talk about it? It is not not there on my job description. The job description doesn't speak about it. But now any person who has such an employee, will say this person, the quicker I get him out of my system, the better. Because his negligence is going to cause me great harm. He doesn't know the spirit that should be there in this kind of Arrangement, employment. Likewise, at nikah, there is a spirit. One is the letter of the law. But there is a spirit in it. And that spirit, when that is upheld, when those qualities and sifat are in both spouses, when that akhlaq is being upheld from both parties, then that results in that sukoon. Then that home becomes a small example of jannat. Now that is when that spirit of deen is being upheld. So one was the knowledge of the Messiah. That whose responsibility is this and whose responsibility is that. But knowing what is the spirit of all this also. And like that all the other aspects of life. That what is the masail, what are the masail pertaining to it? And what is the correct application of it? What is the spirit of how this has to be applied? Nevertheless, this was the first part of that dua. And this is the whole ocean in itself that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has given us. Allah Bil ilm then the second thing, very briefly just we'll wrap up on this. Nabi class and then says and makes this dua and we are being taught this very big lesson. yinni bil hilm. Ya Allah, adorn me with hilm. yinni, zina. Adornment. Adornment is hilm, tolerance. Now hilm is among the highest levels of akhlaq among the greatest aspects of akhlaq, One of them is hilm. This tolerance. This is beyond even the level of sabr. And this hilm is what Nabi Islam is teaching us to ask for. And in teaching us to ask for it is giving us this very clear message that this is something to be worked for. Something to be acquired. A person asks for something that he doesn't just sit also. He makes dua. Ya Allah, make my business prosper. Because he made dua, he doesn't go to sleep. After making the dua, he then goes and opens the doors. And then he gets very busy, very active in it. So after the dua, he doesn't just leave it. Now when I make dua, it doesn't matter. The doors will stay closed and everything will happen. The dua and dua, both go hand in hand. So likewise, he's going to make dua for hilm. He's going to make dua for tolerance. And then he's going to close it and all, but everything will happen on his own. No, with the du'a, then there is the dawa also. But the dawa will come where it is dispensed. So now he will have to go to seek that medication. He will have to go to seek the treatment for the opposite of him. Now the person is lacking this, then he like, has to go and take the injection somewhere. He has to go and take the treatment somewhere. But now I am overwhelmed with anger. I just keep just venting out anytime. I can't tolerate anything. This is Hilm. This Hilm among the Asmaul Husna. One of the Asmaul Husna is Al-Halim. Obviously, when it pertains to Allah Taala, this is on another in another context altogether. But what is this meaning of Al-Halim? The same attribute which Allah Taala wants us to also adopt, obviously in our context. But Al-Halim, the attribute of Allah Taala, Al-Halim refers to that Allah Taala. His servants blatantly disobey him, break his commands, use his ni'mets and bounties to disobey him. He blessed them with those eyes. And now that eye which Allah wishes, in that one split second, a person can lose that sight. In that one split second, that finger can get paralyzed. In that one split second, that hand can just go limp and that phone can fall and crash. He's using that strength Allah Ta'ala gave. That strength came from the food Allah Ta'ala provided. That finger Allah Ta'ala is making it operate. That sight Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. And he's doing all this blatantly in front of his creator. But Allah Ta'ala is al-halim. Allah Ta'ala gives respite. My banda will make tawbah this now. My banda will repent. He'll come back. Now he's blatantly disobeying Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is giving him respite. Allah Ta'ala is not taking him to task instantly. Now we become perfectionists. Did anybody do something how other than the way that we are wanting it. And if somebody does it in some other way, you know I am a perfectionist. I won't accept anything lesser. But how perfect are we in our obligations to Allah Ta'ala? How perfect is our salah? How perfect is our ibadat? How perfect is our restraining ourselves from sin. And yet we are perfectionists when it comes to others. And dare anybody cross our line. And how much we have crossed Allah ta'ala lines. And how deep and far we have gone into the disobedience of Allah ta'ala. And Allah tolerance and clemency. That he has still held back that azab. My servant will come back just now. He'll make toba. Now that is that tolerance that we are being taught. And this Nabi Salaam is giving us this in the words was the this is an adornment. This is what beautifies the person. The external adornments, how long? Somebody comes with the best adornments and is not married now, came with the best adornments. But then suddenly the person's character now is coming forth. So is that adornments and that external beauty and all that going to make any difference now? Person is going to want to run from here. His heart is going to be shattered. That what, what, I do, what I got myself into. So the issue is that the real adornment is the internal adornments, the adornment of akhlaq. And among the aspects of akhlaq is this very great aspect of him, this tolerance. We look into the life of Rasulullah the lives of the Sahaba Ikram, the lives of the awliya of the Ummad. And we'll see this very prominent quality and attribute in their lives, the aspect of hilm, of tolerance, what not people did to them, what not was said to them. And they just carried on like nothing happened. Bustami, he is walking, it's the day of Eid, in his clean clothes, and now readied himself for Eid. And now as he's walking past, somebody from an upper story, they just cleaned the house out, swept everything, some ash and what not, and they just threw it off. Because now they're not concerned about, no consideration, what's going to happen to anybody down. And it all fell onto him. So now that it fell onto him, now what? Day of Eid, his clean clothes, and now this ash falls onto him. So that when he explained this incident, he explained it in these words, he says that he brushed his clothing and he said, chal chal what you worried about? you were deserving of fire to fall upon you only ash came you should make sugar. chal chal meaning what you worried now, what you want to take offense for? go ahead now, move, carry on now this was that, the result of that hill. the person without that helm at that moment, what not will happen? that person rained ash down, he'll rain fire up and what not will happen, what not will get burned down in that moment. But when there's that him, he'll be able to digest things. He'll be able to take things in his stride. He'll be able to move ahead without getting caught up in all these small, small issues that keep coming up in life. Life is dunya is dunya. Dunya is not jannad. Dunya is dunya. There are challenges in dunya. And a person who gets caught up in all the small, small things and takes all these things too seriously because of the lack of hilm, something was just said to him, somebody just blurted something out by mistake, now he makes that a very big issue, and somebody forgot to invite him, he made that a very big issue, somebody forgot to share some good news with him, so now that became a very big issue, and anything and everything becomes an issue. As a result, now where is the connection going to take place with Allah, Allah? When a person is so caught up with the makhluk, every small issue of the makhluk is so deeply involved in it, When is this heart going to become empty to connect with Allah Ta'ala? Whereas the heart will connect with Allah Ta'ala when it has become empty of dunya. And if there is any love in the heart, it is due to the love for Allah Ta'ala. Man ahabba lillah. He loves his family, he loves them for Allah Ta'ala's sake. And in the limits where Allah Ta'ala has set out. So anything that will be there in the heart will be for Allah Ta'ala. But now when he keeps getting caught in all these small, small things, and how that heart is going to now connect to Allah, tabarak wa ta'ala. Har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi, ab to ab to khalwat ho gayi. Khajah Azizu Hassan Majzoub, rahmatullahi gives the same message. He says that, ya Allah, har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho All my desires and everything of dunya, all these things are now out. I will do what is necessary. I will pursue what is supposed to be done. But now the only desire is Allah ta'ala. Ab to aaja, ab to ho gayi. My heart is now emptied of everything, of Ghayrullah. If there's anything there, it's Allah. And it is what Allah Ta'ala wants it to be there. If there's some love, it is the love for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. If there's a love for one's children, it's for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. The love for one's family, for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Then this heart will connect to Allah wa Ta'ala. And what will assist in that? This aspect of Hilm. To the extent that this Hilm has been developed, this tolerance comes, this akhlaq has been enhanced then to that extent it will benefit a person even in his ibadat. A person who keeps getting over, overwhelmed with anger, his salah will also be in that anger. He'll be making sajda also and he'll be now wondering what next to say to that person. How he's going to, After the salah is over, let me just see him outside the masjid. I'll give him a piece of my mind. Meanwhile he has already distributed so many pieces of his mind, he's not sure whether he's got anything left. And he's just dishing out one way to each person a piece of his mind. But now, where this came from? This lack of hilm. So, Nabi ﷺ is giving us this lesson. bil helm, And then just to translate the last two. taqwa, Ya Allah, give me honour by means of taqwa. Inna akramakum The most honoured in the sight of Allah Ta'ala is the one who has the greatest taqwa. It's not the person's colour, his language, his nationality, his social standing. None of these things make any difference in the court of Allah Ta'ala. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنَّ اللَّهِ أَتْقَاكُمْ وَجَمِّلْنِي بِالْعَافِيَةِ Allah beautify me with afiyat that a person is saved from all kinds of calamities and hardships and difficulties. This too is a dua to keep begging Allah tabarik wa ta'ala for Allah ta'ala give us a tawfiq to imbibe these lessons, bring it in our lives. Allah ta'ala bless us with true ilm and bless us with ilm, with taqwa and afiyat. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَلْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ